This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your presence, and thank you for what we've already felt here today. The life-changing power of God. God, I just feel you arresting me now. This is not just a sermon. This is a divine message for someone here. Lord, that we might all receive what it is you want us to receive. For Father, you are sending clarity to somebody's life today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to bring you a message today. I, I thought last week might have been the end of our Amen series. When you preach a series like Amen, and people actually call you the Amen preacher, because apparently I say that a lot, uh, people think you're just fishing for more what? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but the reality is we've been saying things in church we don't know what they mean. We've been talking about things that we don't understand from Scripture, and we've just listened to what people have had to say, and we've not studied the Word of God for ourselves. And so in this series, God's really been speaking to us. And we've dealt with some very, very prevalent uh, misunderstandings or in some revelations. But today I want to deal with you about, about one of the verses that I feel is one of the most powerful verses from uh, the Scripture that people promote widely. All Scripture is profitable according to the Word of God. But people promote this one. Number one verse that people promote around the world is John 3.16, of course, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that what? Leaves on Him should not perish, but have eternal life. See, we know that verse. Then we'll have people that quote a lot of times, and we always see it around people's homes, that uh, they shall renew their strength like eagles. That verse is everywhere out of Isaiah. We see other verses out of Joshua, have not I commanded thee, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, be strong and courageous. We see that. We also see uh, the words that were given by Samuel, choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Very popular scriptures, very very popular things that, that we quote. And this passage in Revelation 3.20 is probably one of the most quoted scriptures of all. And I fear that we have lost its context. I think sometimes the way the enemy attacks the scriptures is by allowing it to become too popular. So Revelation 3.20 reads like this. It says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. Okay? So here's what God is saying to us in this passage. He says, all right, guys, here I am. I want you to open the door. Let me come in. And when I come in, I'm going to change everything about your life. Now, this is not the passage that I initially wanted to talk about today because the, the statement that I wanted to talk about came from the verse 15 that says this. He said, I have this against you that you are lukewarm. You are neither hot nor cold. Okay, You're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. So we have this passage of Scripture that says, okay, here I am knocking at the door. And then we have this phrase that's used quite a bit in church. Now, to understand the power of this passage, we're going to have to get it in the right context. Now, when we read Revelation 3.20 that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, we understand that God is wanting us to open something to Him in our lives. God is wanting us to open the door of our hearts to Him. 
Now the problem with that is that anyone who knows God knows that when God shows up in your life, things are going to change. Can I get an amen? That God doesn't come to leave you the same, that God comes to deliver you, to make you stronger, to make you better. And because of that, we understand that if I open the door and God comes in, then I better get ready because there's going to be a change in my life. As a matter of fact, if I step up to grow for God, the problem is going to be that I'm going to start getting pushed back by the enemy because the enemy wants you to stay right where you are, just like you are, so that you don't grow for God. But when God starts moving in your life, you're going to have a battle. Can I get an amen for that? And the problem is, I really believe God wants to deliver me from my sins. I really believe God wants to set me free from the things that bind me. But I know that if I open the door, everything in my life is going to end up changing from this safe little package that I have it in. And as everything changes, then I'm going to lose control of my life. And so I have to make up a decision in my life. Am I going to maintain a tight control, keep all the pain, all the struggles, all that down inside where I know how to deal with it? Or am I going to have faith and open the door of my life and let God God change who I am. I mean, it's that simple. Am I going to do that? But here's something that you have to understand. You can have control or you can have faith, but you can't have both. You see, control, you dictate what happens. This is what's going to happen in my life. God loves showing up and changing your plans. God loves showing up and rewriting everything that you thought was sacred in your life. God loves changing everything in your world. Why? Because the first thing that Jesus did, if you watched over and over again, was he walked up and dealt with a thing that they didn't want anybody to deal with. But faith says, God, you're in charge. But here's the power and the problem that we have with this passage. We think that this passage about, behold, I stand at the door and knock. We've heard it in salvation messages. We've seen it as God's trying to win someone to him. And and so as he's knocking on the door of their heart to get saved, to get saved. But the problem with that is this passage is not written to lost people. This passage is not written to someone who doesn't know God. This passage, however, if you'll look up in in this chapter, is written to a church. People who know Jesus. And the people who know Jesus, he's writing to them and he says, if you will open the door of your heart, then I'm going to come in and we're going to have a relationship that's going to change everything about you. And we have to figure out how that's going to work because if God's going to come in, things are going to begin to change. And how we know that that, that we're dealing with people like this, that's where we get to the verse that we really don't understand. And that's verse number 15. And in Revelation 3.15, it says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. You're either, you're neither what? Cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Watch that. That is Jesus speaking. He said, I want you to be cold or hot. And I've heard this passage preached wrong my whole life. I want you to be cold or hot. Huh. Let's just go ahead and break it down here. He says, I want you to be cold or hot. Well, we've always heard it preached that hot means loving God and cold means not loving God. We've always heard it preached that that hot means serving God and cold means I'm just watching others serve God. And the Word of God says right here, I want you to be hot or cold. Uh Uh-oh, we're on to something here. Something's out of context about the way we've read these passages. He said, because you are not hot or cold, you're lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I'm about to, the actual word here is vomit you out of my mouth. And that's enough of that picture. I'm about 
to say enough. Wow. I mean, something's going on here. Something's shifting here. So we've got to understand what is the Scripture trying to tell me as I'm trying to figure out what behold I stand at the door and knock means. And then all of a sudden, this is Jesus' response to them. He says, guys, look, I'm writing to the church in Laodicea, and I'm telling you I have a problem with you because you're not hot and you're not cold. And if, if hot means serving God and, and cold means not serving God, then that's not right because according to what Jesus is saying here, not serving Him is not an option. It just depends on how you're going to serve it. Uh-oh. Well, let's put it in context. So Laodicea is in this place, this region, that uh, uh, it has some tremendous benefits in. It is a strategically placed banking center. So their money is abundant. Their manufacturing is unparalleled. I mean, it's unbelievable the success that the Laodiceans have had in manufacturing. Their unemployment level is almost zero. I mean, people are living high on the hog here. They, they're enjoying everything. Life's going good with ex- one exception. The only thing that anybody can ever really say that's wrong with Laodicea is this. Their water is horrible. Have you ever been somewhere that their water is horrible? When you get there, the first thing you do when there's a certain place, I won't call the name because I don't want any hate mail from anybody from there, but there's a certain place that you go to south of here that you smell so much sulfur in the water. The first thing you do when you get there is you go to the store and you buy some some water. Why? Because the water is not what you're used to. In Laodicea, their water was so gross. It was putrid to the point that people many times would become sick. And the reason they would become sick is, is kind of strange because the reason that, that many people began to move to Laodicea was because of the water. Well, h- how is that? Well, the problem was there was no water supply near Laodicea, but there were two water supplies just two uh, different directions from them. Let's put that map up on the screen. I want you to see this. There were two water supplies. Okay, so we have Laodicea, we have Heropolis up here, and Colossae here, and so what we have here are two sets of springs, and from these springs, the water had to be aqueducted in, and if you've ever been to the Middle East, the amazing aqueducts that that run throughout their country, but it had to be brought in from one of these springs, and as it was brought in, predominantly from the northern spring, that, that was a hot spring. It was what? A hot spring. And by the time the hot springs in Heropolis would come down to Laodicea, the water would be so tepid that it had benefits when it was hot, but it would have reached this. This, I mean, the only way that I can kind of describe when the water got to Laodicea is, have you ever found, I mean, you've been like really thirsty and, and you're looking for something to drink and you, you just want something that has a little bit of sugar in it or so, and so you find that, that bottle uh, of soda that got kind of pushed behind the box of cereal. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And, and it's got about that much left in the bottom. And you open it up and you're expecting, and instead you just hear, maybe that's in your mind, but there it is. Nothing happens. And it's, you take a drink of it. You think, you're praying, God, please let there be something to it. And you take a drink of it and you pour the rest of it out because it's worse than having nothing to drink at all. 
That's the way the water from the hot springs was by the time it got to Laodicea. And so when Jesus is talking to them, he says, guys, we got a problem here. Our problem that you need to know about is there's something wrong inside of your life. And what's wrong inside of your life is this, that you've been living in a place that is kind of uh, tepid, that it's, you're not really hot, you're not really cold, you're not really where you're supposed to be, and you've just been living in this little trickle called life. And you've been living in this little stream of what God can do for you and you've just been happy because your world hasn't messed up. And he says, look guys, the problem I have is not that you're cold or not that you're hot. The problem I have is that you're neither. So what, well, what am I supposed to be, hot or cold? Either. And the reason I say either was this. People would come to Laodicea because up in Heropolis, there was a hot springs that people could get in. And when I was in Ukraine last year and there was a hot springs there, people came from all over Europe to get in because of the medicinal effects of soaking in the hot springs. Just like down in Mineral Springs here, there, there's the medicinal effects of soaking in the hot springs. People's bodies were restored. After you got out of the hot springs, you'd come back and stay a day. And then you'd travel uh, six miles south to Colossae and there were cold, refreshing springs there. The problem was that from the hot springs to the cold springs, you had to deal with the middle ground of this, this putrid kind of water that you would have to put up with. And here's the problem. Here's what Jesus is saying. I want you to stop settling for just having just enough of my presence in your life that it's settled and nothing's changing in who you are. I want you to stop settling for the sin and I want you to stop settling for the problems of your life and I want you to either become a place that becomes restorative in my power or a place that becomes refreshing in my power, but staying the same is not an option. Wow. Staying the same is not an option. But Pastor Don, you don't understand. I've been serving God for 40 years. I have an answer for you. Open the door and get to know him more. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. You see, we have to decide what we want. When it's real cold outside, what do we want? I mean, when, I, when it's real cold outside, I want a good, hot cup of coffee. I mean, I've never walked into a coffee shop and said, would you give me something, you know, kind of lukewarm? Or how many of you have ever been working out and working hard and you say, you know what, I just want to go home right now and I want to have a glass of room temperature milk? And what I'm going to say may sound harsh, but I want you to listen to me. Neither one of those are any good. But neither is a Christian who just worried about their own salvation. You see, God didn't call us just to worry about ourselves. He called us to create an atmosphere that restores others and refreshes others. He called us to create an atmosphere. But we don't know how messed up we are because I'm a Christian. And so he gave us verse number 17 that says this, says, you say I am rich and I have acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. I'm good. I have everything I need. But you do not realize that the truth is you're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. Because you think everything's okay, you've let down your guard. And when you let down your guard, little things start creeping into your life that need to be washed out of your life. And a trickle will never wash them out of your life. I'm, uh, what's the name of the series? Oh, yeah, I was waiting on that. And he says, the problem is, you've been living on a trickle from a worship team. Just enough in my heart to let me know that I'm still okay with God. You've been living on a trickle 
from when the pastor gets excited and you feel goosebumps for all of a second and you go, okay, he still knows I'm here. That's not what God wants for you. That's not who God's called you to be. God didn't call us to live in some place that we're not even happy with ourselves. God called us to be overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. He called us to be more than conquerors. He called us to be a righteous generation, a holy people, zealous of good works in this era. He has called us to so much more, but we can't do it if we're living on a trickle. What do we need to do? Throw open the door of our life and say, more, more, come Holy Spirit, you're here. I want more. So how do you do that? Are you ready? Well, if you wanted to go from the tepid water of Laodicea, you had to go to the source of either the hot or the cold. You had to get closer to the source because the further away from the source you were, the less the temperature was being affected. I mean, the more the temperature was being affected by the climate of the area. I'm giving you truth. If the news determines the climate of your faith, there's a problem. If the atmosphere of our community is determining the passion you have for God, then you are exactly who John was writing to through Christ here in Revelation chapter 3. I don't care what others believe. I don't care what they're saying on the news. I don't care who's in office. What I care about is who's on the throne. And I can tell you who's on the throne. His name is Jesus. And I have to get near the source. And when I get near the source, The climate of my life changes. Let me ask you this question. What is your proximity to God? You can tell it by taking your spiritual temperature. If you're just settled, something's wrong. You should be hot enough to restore the people you encounter or cold enough to refresh them, but you should not settle with them. Literally just thought, if I had a mic, I would have dropped it, but I I can't (laughs) drop this one. (laughs) You see, here's what Jesus is saying. You're staying too far from the source. You're too far away from me. And here's what he says next. If you're too far away from me because it has made you lukewarm because you're not hot nor cold. See, the Laodiceans, they understood exactly what he was saying here. He says, you're too far from me. So he takes us into verse number 19. And verse number 19 says it this way. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and what? Ooh, repent. Wow. None of us like this part of the sermon. But it's sort of like this. If Now, some of you won't understand this because your lives are different than the majority of the rest of us. But but if you call and say, hey, i got to drop by your house. I'll be there in three minutes. I'm telling you, there's going to be some things. Let me just give you a little trick. Throw it all in the oven. Just whew. throw in the sink and throw a towel over it. Come on now. There may be some things that aren't perfect in your home that if somebody's coming in, you're going to have to change. That's repentance. If what you have hanging on the walls of your heart would require a cover-up for God to come in, then this verse is talking to you. I'm giving you truth. But you see, we don't like the word repent because that's for sinners. But Jesus heard the word repent, and how did he respond? Are you ready for this? How did Jesus respond to the word repent? Jesus. He comes to the water. 
And as he approaches the water, John the Baptist is preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Oh my goodness. And as he's preaching, repent for the kingdom of God at the hand, at hand. What happens? People start getting in line and they start, they wait for hours. And what happens? They come down into the water and they get baptized because they were all, they were all what? Oh, no, 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 no. They were all sinners except for, but what did he do? The same thing. Oh, he did the same thing the rest of them did. Why? Because the baptism that John was preaching was that that he learned down around in Gedi, Qumran, where he was learning from the essence. And they taught that baptism, listen to this, John the Baptist believed and taught if we can live in a state of repentance as a community, not just individually, watch this, but corporately, Maybe we'll catch his ear. Now I have this for you for the screen. Maybe that we'll catch his ear so that he might send a redeemer. Uh-oh, hold on a minute. You see, the Bible says that John is baptizing people. And he's like, <laughs> what's he doing? He's like, all right, tell me your name. Where are you from? Why are you in the water? And all of a sudden, one walks in. Oh, I just love what the Lord just spoke into my heart. As this one's foot hits the water, he doesn't say, tell me your name. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. Come on now. All of a sudden, he knows exactly who he is. And he steps in the water. And as he steps in the water, he says, whoa, 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 we need to change sides here. You need to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. This has to be done to fulfill all, who knows what it was? Righteousness. This has to be done, not because I'm a sinner, but because I'm joining with everybody to admit together that what our community needs, because I am a part of this community. I might not be messed up like I used to be, but I'm still part of this community, and my community's still messed up. So what we all need to do is to repent of where we are corporately, repent of where we are community-wise. And as I step into the water and I begin to say, God, I want more of you. I want more of your presence. God begins to hear a corporate cry. And what would happen in our community? I could tell you what could happen in our community. 4,728 people can be baptized in about 58 weeks. That's what could happen in our community. What could happen in our community is that the cities around the nation can begin to baptize and people can begin to cry out and say, you know what? I was living on a trickle and I was lukewarm, but somebody told me to get near the source and I'm going to get near the source. And what was God's answer then? Then open up the door of your heart and say, you come in. And when you invite him in, he comes in and everything changes. I'm trying to behave and I've almost made it. But are you missing the point there? He says, you don't know how messed up you are. Here's where you are. If you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll help you take care of where you are. And when I come in, everything's going to begin to change in your life. What you need is not religion. What you need is not a 5 or 10 or 12 step program. What you need is a move of the Holy Ghost of God in your life. When you open the door and say, come in, come in, come in. Why don't you all stand? I'll close. I've got an hour more sermon and about four minutes more strength. Come in. Come, Holy Spirit, for the Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Bow your heads. We are hungry. 
We've relegated this passage to just people getting saved, but it's not just people getting saved. He's speaking to the church who says, if you're tired and you're weary, if you feel like you're going through a dry spell, if you, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost of the living God. If you feel like you're going through a valley and there's no hope on the other side, the problem is not that you don't have the answer. The problem is you've got the door closed and you've been living on a trickle. And it's not enough to live on. You need to open the door. You need to open the door. And you need to come and let him. I want you to go back, go all the way back to Revelation 3.20 for just a moment. I know your heads are bowed, so I want you to listen, listen to what I'm about to say. The very first statement is a statement. We need, we, we need to memorize the words of Christ. Here it is. Here I am. Wow. Here I am, he says. Here I am. I'm knocking. In the King James says, behold. But that, that's how it's translated. Here I am. Look, 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 here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Be, I'm, I'm knocking. And I'm just going to obey the Holy Spirit. Here I am. I'm opening the door. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are, but there's some people hungry for more than the trickle. Yes. And I want to open these altars right now for anyone who will say with me, here I am, I want more. If that's you, would you start moving toward these altars? Would you come? Uh, it's been so long, some of you are going, is he really opening the altars? You better do it while I do. You better come while we are because I feel the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Here I am. Some of you are wondering, God, why are you not moving in my children? It's, it's, not, it's not because God didn't want to move in them. It's because he wants to move in you so it overflows into your children. God, why are you not changing my spouse? Because God's wanting to overflow in you so it flows into your children. God, why are you not changing my community? Why, is, why are not more of you in my church? Because you're living on a trickle. Open the door. Here I am. Here I am. People are coming. People are still coming from all around this room need you here again. Here I am. Oh, Holy Spirit. Pastor Don, God's wanting to save people. Yes, he is. Matter of fact, if you don't know him, you need to make your way to this altar. Here I am, God. I want to know you. Oh, God's speaking to people. God's speaking to people. Oh, hallelujah. They're going to help us with this song one more time as these begin to pray come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit we open the door to those listening to those watching as we're praying here come Holy Spirit say those words with me come come here I am today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.